to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi everybody, Dr. Aviva Ram here, and welcome to episode 132 of Natural MD Radio. Today we're going to talk about how your thyroid affects your menstrual cycle. But before I jump into that, I just want you to know I am recording live in the middle of Hurricane or Storm Isaias, and so if you hear any loud noise in the background, it's either intense rain or thunder, and hopefully I will make it through this episode without having to jump off of anything electrical. When And I hope that wherever you are listening, um, you've come through the storm safe and sound, and you're doing well in this crazy moment of time that we're all in. So when we think of our periods and menstrual cycles, we tend to think of the leading ladies, estrogen and progesterone, but other hormones like thyroxine and triiodothyronine are playing a major role behind the scenes. While these names might not roll off your tongue as easily as estrogen and progesterone, and I have to work at them a little bit too, they play a pivotal role in your menstrual cycles, including whether they're regular, how long, heavy, whether you skip them, and whether you're ovulating. You may have guessed by their aforementioned names, T4, thyroxine, and T3, triiodothyronine, are produced in your thyroid. Your thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland in the lower front part of your neck. In fact, while both of those hormones are produced there, T4 is produced there more abundantly and then converted to T3, which is actually the more active form of the hormone in your liver. T3 then travels to your cells throughout your body and does all of the thyroid's heavy lifting. It acts as your body's thermostat, turning the dial up or down on your body's energy expenditure and metabolism, growth and reproductive functions, and it's involved in hundreds or more biological functions, including brain development and function, breathing and heart rate, nervous system functions, body temperature, muscle strength, skin health, mood, weight, and even cholesterol levels. It also plays a major role in your menstrual cycle. And when your thyroid function is off, it can cause a host of cycle symptoms and imbalances. The two most common types of thyroid problems are hypothyroidism, in which the thyroid is under-functioning, and hyperthyroidism, in which it overfunctions. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune form of hypothyroidism, and Graves' disease is an autoimmune form of hyperthyroidism. It's estimated that one in eight women have hypothyroidism. Symptoms can include feeling sluggish, tired, just having zero energy, gaining weight over a short period of time without really being able to pinpoint why. So, you know, like you've gained 15 or 30 pounds in three months or six months and there's no other reason to explain it. Trouble losing weight no matter how hard you try. So you could be exercising, dieting, and still it's not coming off. You could be experiencing insomnia, trouble falling asleep, or waking up in the middle of the night, or waking up tired in the morning. 
You can have brain fog, which I'm saying with air quotes, but if you experience it, you know what that means. Kind of like a foggy lack of clear thinking, memory problems or trouble concentrating. You might feel sad or even downright depressed and not be able to pinpoint why. You might feel anxious or worried and not be able to pinpoint why. You may have sluggish bowels or constipation. You might feel chilly or cold, even when everyone else feels pretty warm. You could have dry, itchy skin or rough skin patches or just in general, dry, coarse hair, brittle hair or brittle nails, thinning hair or hair loss, thinning, interestingly, specifically in the outer third of your eyebrows, high cholesterol, as I mentioned, puffy face or puffiness around your eyes, fertility problems, postpartum depression, or trouble producing breast milk, in addition to the menstrual cycle problems that I'm going to talk with you about. Now, hyperthyroidism, when it's overactive, is much less common, although not rare. It affects an estimated one in a hundred women compared to about one in eight with hypo. Symptoms can include pretty much the opposite a lot of, of a lot of the symptoms of hypothyroidism. So instead of, for example, constipation, you might have frequent bowel movements or loose stools. You, you might also have trouble sleeping, but it's an inability to get sleep as if you've just drank too much coffee or had Red Bulls or something. I don't know why I always use Red Bulls as an example because I've never actually had one, but in medical school, they were super popular among students. So I've definitely seen the effects which, like hyperthyroidism, can include nervousness, irritability, and mood swings. Hyperthyroidism can also cause muscle weakness, heat intolerance, where you feel just kind of overheated. So again, the opposite of when you feel cold with hypothyroidism. It can cause weight loss. It can cause you to have a tremor, especially usually in the hands. It might cause a rapid irregular heartbeat or fatigue, and that is really because of the inability to sleep. So you can't go to sleep. So ultimately it catches up with you and you're tired. So how does your thyroid affect your menstrual cycles? Well, both hyper and hypothyroidism can have an impact. According to at least one study, the more severe your thyroid problem, the more severe your menstrual symptoms are likely to be. In one study, women with severe hypothyroidism had three times the frequency of menstrual problems compared to women with mild hypothyroidism. So what are some of the problems it can cause? Heavy periods is one. Not sure what a heavy period is? Here are the clues. A period that lasts longer than seven days, soaking through a pad or tampon every hour for several hours in a row, needing to wear one more than one pad at a time, having menstrual blood clots the size of a quarter or bigger, and these are all signs that your period falls into the heavy category. Now, heavy periods may be more likely actually with hyperthyroidism, but they can happen with either. Additionally, you can have absent or infrequent periods. In hyperthyroidism, high levels of thyroid-releasing hormone trigger the release of prolactin from the pituitary gland. That's a pea-sized organ located at the base of the brain. Prolactin interferes with the production of estrogen from the ovaries, and that causes infrequent or absent periods, and it can cause infertility as well. Hypothyroidism is more likely to be associated with PCOS, which I'm going to discuss in a minute, and that can cause heavy periods 
or skipped periods, or both. Sometimes you skip a period for a couple of few months that causes the uterine lining to build up, and then when you finally do bleed, it's a heavy one, or as my patients would say, a gusher. Skipped ovulation can also be a problem affecting your cycle when you have a thyroid disorder. Since thyroid disorders lead to menstrual disruption, of course, that's also going to affect fertility, which is why, not surprisingly, both hypo and hyperthyroidism have been linked to infertility. In one study, 76% of women with hypothyroidism were able to conceive after being treated for their thyroid condition. Some of my patients don't even realize they have a thyroid dysfunction until they have difficulty getting pregnant, and then when we do a workup, we find on their labs that they have a thyroid problem. Often a diagnosis can even come as a relief because it's the first time these women have actually had something that kind of connects the dots on why they're struggling with their thyroid problem or another uh, menstrual problem. And once the thyroid disorder is addressed, you can address the menstrual problem and also it becomes easier to conceive. Hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism also both increase the risk of miscarriage. So that makes proper treatment all the more important, especially if you're struggling with fertility and now you get pregnant and you have a thyroid problem. Another common symptom that can accompany hypothyroidism affecting the menstrual cycle is cyclic breast tenderness. And also, a slow-functioning thyroid in and of itself is linked to fatigue, anxiety, and depression. In fact, the cause of depression in 15% of women on antidepressants is an undetected thyroid problem. So they're actually getting the wrong medication. Instead of getting the antidepressant, they should be getting the thyroid medication to resolve the depression. But you want to keep in mind that when you get right near your period, that fatigue, that depression, that anxiety that can be caused by your thyroid may be a contributing factor to the severity of PMS in some women. So if you're struggling with PMS and have any of these other thyroid symptoms or any of these other cycle symptoms, or you're not sure and nobody can find a reason for your PMS, it's worth getting some basic thyroid labs, which I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. In recent years, a number of studies have found a connection between an increased rate of thyroid disorder in women with PCOS. An underactive thyroid causes an increase in the hormone testosterone, which you may think of as a male hormone, but we produce it as well in much smaller amounts. An underactive thyroid also increases something called follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, all of which can cause irregular and skipped periods, as well as heavier periods, as I mentioned earlier, when Aunt Flo does pay a visit. Those increased testosterone levels also lead to some of the major, really disturbing symptoms that women experience with PCOS, like hair loss, hair in unwanted places, and acne, which can be pretty severe for a lot of women with PCOS. A third of women, diagnosed with PCOS, test positive for the presence of antithyroid antibodies. So if you have PCOS, thyroid health is absolutely going to be a big part of the conversation with your primary care provider, because turning this around can resolve your symptoms. And also, if you test positive for thyroid antibodies now, there are things that you can do that I talk about in my blogs on Healthy Thyroid 
to help reduce thyroid antibodies like inositol and selenium. So if you have a thyroid problem, if you have PCOS, again, this is a really good time to talk with your primary care provider about getting a workup for thyroid. Ovarian cysts can be another thing that's caused by thyroid function being um, off balance. When the thyroid is underactive, that same pituitary gland in the lower part of your brain tries to make up for it by releasing more prolactin. Too much prolactin can actually suppress ovulation, and at the same time, it increases the production of follicle-stimulating hormone. This means that your ovaries are getting the message to produce a lot of follicles, but they don't end up fully maturing. This can lead you to have recurrent and often very painful ovarian cysts. Signs of an ovarian cyst can include swelling in your abdomen, bloating or pain in your lower abdomen. The pain may be sharp or come and go, but either way, it's certainly not pleasant. So before you have surgery, unless it's an emergency, and then of course, by all means, do have the surgery, consider having your thyroid levels tested to see if that's what's actually causing the problem. Endometriosis can also be a source of irregular periods and terrible period pain. It can also be a source of menstrual migraines. They're much more common in endometriosis. So what's the link? There's also a link between thyroid disorders and endometriosis. Researchers have found that women with endo had increased levels of T4 hormones and decreased levels of T3 hormones. So their thyroid's working and they're making the thyroid hormone, but somehow they're not converting it to active thyroid hormone, and they can have symptoms of hypothyroidism. In one study compared with the published rates in the general U.S. population, women with endometriosis were 9.6 more times more likely to be diagnosed with hypothyroidism. In particular, Hashimoto's was 6.5 times more likely in women with endometriosis. Now, if you're like me and you want the data, you want to see the facts and you want to see the science, always remember that for the blogs and podcasts that I create, I create them correspondingly so that you can go over to my website. In this case, it would be avivaram.com forward slash 132. That's the number 132 for episode 132 of Natural MD Radio. And what you'll find there is um, the, the article that accompanies this and all of the, the data that I'm talking about is over in the links so you can easily find the primary reference sources. I like the science too. You know, there's a lot to be said for um, uh, the balance between intuition and traditional knowing and women's ways of knowing, which I live my life by and I infuse my medical practice and teaching with. But it's also important to be able to put facts behind a lot of what we say, especially when we're um, citing statistics and maybe talking about things that are outside the box. So when there is data to support it, I always try to provide that for you. So let's talk about what you can do to take control of your thyroid health. The first thing is to get tested and treated if needed. You may have heard me say this before, but my motto with thyroid problems is test, don't guess. If you suspect a thyroid problem, if you can't seem to figure out what's going on with your menstrual cycle and throwing it off, or if you have PCOS, 
endometriosis, or recurrent ovarian cysts, see your primary care provider for a proper thyroid diagnosis to see if a thyroid problem is what's figuring in. Unfortunately, most doctors don't routinely check a full panel of thyroid tests, so they end up missing a thyroid diagnosis, leading millions of women without answers and suffering with symptoms and health consequences that could otherwise be resolved. I give you a link over at my website, again, avivaram.com forward slash 132 for what I order in a complete thyroid panel. Or you can just look up my name, Aviva Ram, thyroid testing, and it'll bring you to my article and podcast on what that is. And these are the tests that you can ask your doctor or other primary care provider to order for you, and it can really make a difference in your hormone health. If you do have a thyroid problem, getting proper treatment can make a tremendous difference in getting your cycles back on track, your fertility, and just supporting your overall well-being. In one study, 7 out of 10 women with untreated hypothyroidism, so the slow-functioning kind, were found to have irregular menstrual cycles. Once treated, 50% of the women started experiencing regular cycles, 50% of the ones who weren't. While natural approaches and nutritional and herbal therapies can help improve your thyroid health, and I'm all about them in my medical practice, thyroid hormone is essential to your overall hormone health. And so if you're not making enough of it, Thyroid hormone medication can be essential. Now, keep in mind that it's not like you're just taking a foreign medication that's doing something foreign to your body. You're taking something that your body should be making, but isn't making enough of, and you depend on. Also keep in mind, vitamin D, which we think of as a vitamin, is technically a pro-hormone. It makes a hormone in your body. And so if somebody told you you were low in vitamin D, you wouldn't think twice about taking it, most likely. You would supplement a low amount. So think about it that way when if you are faced with the um, question of needing it and you're feeling uncomfortable with it, of course, it's important to question pharmaceuticals and whether you really need them. But in this case, it's one of the few that I use in my practice that I feel when you use it in the right dose can be like someone switching the lights on for you in a dark room. I've had patients say, Dr. Aviva, it feels like somebody turned the windshield wipers on on my brain fog. Or Dr. Aviva, it feels like somebody put the um, jumper cables on my um, on me and like sparked up my energy again. And also, it can make that huge difference in your hormone health. So remember, test your thyroid function to find out what's going on. And also, it'll tell you what's the best starting place for you. Maybe you don't need medication and you can try some of the natural remedies that I linked to over on the um, article accompanying this podcast on my website and have lots of articles about, or maybe it'll tell you your thyroid's just a little bit off, off enough to be causing you symptoms, but you only need a little dose of, of hormone medication. So step two in the sort of five things you can do to take care of your um, uh, thyroid to get your cycles back on track is to take care of your adrenal health. When you're under prolonged chronic stress, Your stress response system, which I'm going to kind of abbreviate as saying your adrenals, because they're the sort of the end of the road producing adrenaline and cortisol that kicks everything, you know, into gear in your body. Um, Stress tells your body to conserve 
rather than expend energy. So what is your body conserving energy for? Well, if you have an infection, it's to fight the infection. If you are in a fight or flight situation, it's to run or fight, right? And so your body is acting on this primitive response. But what it does is it also slows your thyroid down. So cortisol has three different ways, three different points of interaction in your body at your thyroid and at the level of your cells and also in the conversion of T4 to T3 that it can actually put the kibosh on your thyroid function, slowing it down just enough to conserve energy. I think of it as the as that your adrenals are acting kind of like an accountant that's forcing you to put money into savings instead of spend it. And that's what your thyroid is doing. It's tucking the money away. It's tucking that active hormone away so that you don't expend it. And even if you do produce enough active thyroid hormone, cortisol blocks your body from activating it and letting your cells use it. It's like a warning system that protects protects you from overusing precious energy reserves. In a next level effort to prevent you from expending energy, your thyroid also puts a lid on your ovarian function because ovulation itself is a very energy expensive process. And of course, getting pregnant is also. It's one of the main ways that the thyroid hormone disrupts, um, or that, sorry, it's one of the main ways that cortisol and adrenal hormones interrupt your ovarian function and affect your cycles. Stress also uses up important nutrients that you need for thyroid health, like magnesium. So you get a double whammy, and it's also doubly important to make sure you're getting the nutrients you need. Ashwagandha is an adaptogen that's been shown to increase active thyroid hormone levels and also reduce cortisol. So it's a win-win when you have stress-related thyroid problems. And a proper dose of ashwagandha is about 2,000 milligrams a day. It's safe while you're breastfeeding, but not in pregnancy. And it's not for you if you have hyperthyroidism because it increases thyroid function. Now, another thing you want to do is support healthy estrogen levels. Estrogen plays a role in how well your thyroid is functioning. Not surprisingly, thyroid disorders are most common in women between puberty and menopause when we're producing most of our estrogen. Elevated estrogen levels lead to an increase in something called thyroid binding globulin, which does kind of what it sounds like. It circulates through your bloodstream and it binds to thyroid hormone. When it binds to it, it makes it unable to do its job, which is binding to yourselves and activating your cells to do a whole variety of activities. So when it's bound up, it gives you the symptoms of a slow functioning thyroid, even when your thyroid is perfectly healthy. This is also really important because it might be missed on thyroid tests unless thyroid binding globulin and something called sex hormone binding globulin are checked. So TBG and SHBG. Remember, all over in the article for you at avivaram.com forward slash 132. Elevated estrogen levels, which are sometimes erroneously called estrogen dominance, can be due to endocrine disruptors from the environment, estrogen in birth control or other medications, which may have an impact on thyroid function as well, 
or from your own hormone imbalances due to slow breakdown of estrogen in the liver or difficulty eliminating it due to disruptions in your gut microbiome or even chronic constipation, which is going to be the topic of an upcoming Natural MD Radio. To address each of these factors, stay tuned for that podcast episode, but also avoid plastics in your food packaging. Eat organic, go clean and green with your cosmetics, and support healthy gut flora with two tablespoons of ground flaxseed in your food every day, lacto-fermented foods in your diet or a daily probiotic, and consider taking vitamin B6 at 50 milligrams a day because those can all help your body to achieve healthy estrogen levels. Now, while you're achieving healthy estrogen levels, it's also important to support liver health. The liver plays a role in the chemical processes that develop and metabolize thyroid hormone. And what this means is that your liver is essential for converting T4 to T3. But the other thing the liver is doing, which is really important, is it's helping eliminate excess estrogen. So with excess estrogen, again, you're having that problem where it can be um, affecting your thyroid function and in turn affecting your menstrual cycles or excess estrogen itself can be affecting your menstrual cycles, causing heavy periods, which can then lead to painful periods, cyclic breast tenderness, and a whole host of other symptoms like mood changes, bloating, and more. So um, in another podcast, I teach you which foods to eat to support healthy, natural hormone detoxification and support your liver. You can find all those links at avivaram.com forward slash 132. But loving your liver, an important part of the thyroid menstrual cycle connection. You also want to make sure, finally, that you're getting the, th- the nutrients that your thyroid needs to be healthy. Now, interestingly, while you don't think about carbs as a nutrient, they are an important nutrient that our body uses for energy. And for many women, a low-carb or no-carb diet or running chronically on low blood sugar triggers the brain's danger signals. And that can trigger the adrenals and the thyroid to lower the thyroid production of active thyroid hormone, of T3, because again, your body thinks it's in energy conservation mode. So make sure that your diet, that in your diet, you're getting enough carbohydrates that can be in the form of healthy whole grains. And it can also be in the form of things like uh, sweet potatoes, yams, winter squashes, even healthy, healthfully prepared roasted potatoes, for example, provide your body with some carbs. Additionally, your body needs a specific set of nutrients for your thyroid to function correctly. Iodine, for example, is essential for thyroid hormone production, and that's just one of its many roles. Many tissues need it, including the brain, immune system, your ovaries, your uterus, and your breasts. In fact, the ovaries contain more iodine than any organ except the thyroid. How to get iodine? 
Well, a couple of ways. One, I'm really a big fan of including seaweeds in the diet. So you can include a teaspoon or two of dulse flakes, which you can get online or at a local health food store. And a teaspoon or two, even up to a tablespoon a day, is a safe amount of iodine that could be a really nice supplement to your diet. You can sprinkle it on salads or whole grains. It's an acquired taste, so you might not love it. It's one of the stronger tasting seaweeds. Another way is to get a prenatal vitamin. And you can take a prenatal vitamin even when you're not pregnant or not planning to get pregnant ever again. I even have perimenopausal women on prenatal vitamins because they tend to have a higher level of certain nutrients that are needed during pregnancy, one of those being iodine. So a great way to get enough iodine is to take a prenatal vitamin or make sure that you're getting a, um, a multivitamin that has iodine in it. Vitamin D, as I mentioned, is technically a pro-hormone, and vitamin D3 receptors can be found in the uterus, the ovaries, and it's really important for healthy thyroid function. Vitamin D tends to be lower in people with hypothyroidism. It's important to have optimal blood levels between 50 and 80 nanograms per milliliter, which your, your primary care provider can test for. In some cases, vitamin D is the missing link. When a woman is already on thyroid medication, for example, but her dose needs to keep being changed because she's not seeing results. I, in my practice, prefer to test before I start someone on um, a vitamin D dose because it helps me to assess how much vitamin D they actually need, how far they are below that sort of 50 to 80 range. But for most people, taking 2,000 units a day of vitamin D3 is going to keep you in a healthy vitamin D range. If you're lower on vitamin D levels, you might need 4,000 units for six weeks and then drop down to 2,000 units, which is also safe for most people to do. And vitamin D supplements, even at those doses, are safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding. Another nutrient that your thyroid needs for health to support healthy menstrual cycles and healthy reproductive and gynecologic function in general is selenium. Your body turns the mineral selenium into a powerful antioxidant called glutathione, which protects the thyroid from inflammation and can reduce thyroid attacking antibodies. Selenium's also critical in forming the active form of thyroid hormone, which does most of the heavy lifting. A note of caution is that selenium can worsen thyroid function if you're experiencing iodine deficiency. Now, most people in the Western world do not experience iodine deficiency. But if you get no fish and if you're eating um, like Himalayan salt instead of iodine-enriched um, sea salt or iodine-enriched salt, then you could be low, in which case remember to take the prenatal vitamin or a vitamin with iodine as well as selenium daily. And the goal is to aim for 200 micrograms a day of selenium and not to exceed that. That dose is also safe during pregnancy and while breastfeeding. So just look at how much is in the vitamin you're taking and then purchase um, a selenium supplement that'll give you the difference. So in other words, if you've got 50 micrograms in a prenatal vitamin or your daily vitamin and you want to get up to 200 micrograms, supplement the difference with 150 micrograms of separately taken selenium. A couple of more nutrients that are really important for the thyroid are zinc and magnesium. Zinc is important for nourishing the thyroid and converting T4 to T3 in the liver so that you produce enough of the active thyroid hormone. It may also improve stress-related thyroid problems. 
You want to take about 30 milligrams a day. And um, I always recommend taking vitamin, I'm sorry, taking zinc with meals. I learned the hard way, giving two children with colds on a car trip some zinc lozenges, just five milligrams each, and they were promptly puking in the back of a car in the summer on a car trip. Zinc is safe when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, but like I said, just always take it with food to prevent nausea. Magnesium is a cofactor in hormone production, meaning without magnesium, you can't make estrogen, progesterone, and a lot of other hormones as well. So you want to aim to get 400 milligrams a day. Keep in mind also that being on the pill depletes some of these nutrients as well as others. The pill also has other risks, so you can consider another form of birth control altogether or another way to manage your hormone symptoms if you're on the pill for a hormone imbalance and not for birth control, and replete the nutrients that may have gotten robbed by that, which you can learn about in my post-pill article and podcast. I hope this article gives you deeper insight into the importance of thyroid health for menstrual cycle health, the confidence that you can get the thyroid answers you need from proper testing, and the tools to get started on rebalancing your cycle by taking care of your thyroid. If you want to take a deeper dive into thyroid health, please grab a copy of my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, where you'll also learn how thyroid affects libido, menopause, and much more. And you'll find a complete five-step pathway to the foods, nutrients, gut, liver, and adrenal support for your thyroid health, as well as more on testing and best thyroid medications. And of course, you can always find ample free resources over at my website at avivaram.com. Before we go, I have three big favors to ask you, and those are subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend. These three things are so important for this show. First, subscribing helps the show rise in the rankings, and it brings it to the attention of more women like you who are seeking information that will let them be the CEO of their health. Your support has kept the show displayed, for example, in What's Hot in Alternative Medicine since the very beginning of the podcast in 2017. Leaving a review also helps the show. There are a lot of podcasts out there, and women are looking for the best ones for their health. Your ratings and reviews help a lot because women say, hey, this person liked it and I'm going to give it a try too. Also, most podcasts produce are produced by big companies or with a lot of venture capital. And then there's me. I don't take money for this show, not even advertising money. So you and your reviews and word of mouth shares are the advertising. Which brings me to the third ask. Please tell your friends about Natural MD Radio. Since they're your friends, I bet a lot of them would be interested too. If they're not app or podcast savvy, you can tell them how to subscribe. It's really easy. Just take them to avivaram.com forward slash podcast. On that page, there are buttons for iTunes, one for SoundCloud, places you can go and listen to the show, and there are a lot of other options as well, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. All you have to do to put Natural MD Radio into the web search, and, and it'll show up all the different places where you can listen and subscribe. So if you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe rate and review and tell a friend. I'd appreciate it so much. And I am going to hop off right now because the storm is increasing intensity and I'm hearing rolling thunder and seeing flashes of lightning. See you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you 
enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time. Oh, 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 o